You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Hello everybody, it's your friendly neighbourhood Leon here with a bit of Brucey bonus episode for you. A few weeks ago I was luckily enough to be asked on to the ABC Morning Show with Sarah Gilman to discuss uh, board games and their rise in popularity over the last few years. So we've got the audio for that to share with you now. So I hope you enjoy and I'll be seeing you guys soon. The question from that, and this is a terrible segue, is are you better together playing a board game? I don't know. How competitive does it get? That's what I want to know. Uh, One of our text uh, uh, writers says, who doesn't have the memory of that three-hour-long Monopoly game with your sister during the school summer holidays before one of you flips the board in frustration after going bankrupt? That's the bit where one person buys all the properties or a property of all different colours so nobody could have to run. And uh, board games now, in for me, in my adult, are a fun activity to do with friends in person and remove the disconnect caused by screens and phones. We're going to be talking about board games next. Have you played a board game lately? Uh, In Germany, the home of modern board gaming, the industry has grown by over 40% in the last few years. In fact, it's being described as the golden age or the renaissance of board gaming. And at a recent uh, trade fair, there were 1,500 new board games released this year. So what's happening and what's happening here? And what games do you play? Or what games did you used to play? 0438922936 is our text number here. Or give us a call. I'd love to have a chat. 1300222936. Leon Cannon uh, is an expert in board games. He actually uh, has produces a podcast, Dice Man Cometh, and uh, joins us now. Hi, Leon. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Good. What was the first board game you remember playing? Um, sadly, it probably is like the texture you had is Monopoly. So I'm glad they brought that up early because we need to we need to get that out of the way. Because when I tell people these days that I'm an, a grown man who plays board games often, the first question I normally get is, oh, you mean things like Monopoly. Now, um, if I could do one thing on this earth, much like the, the good doctor you had in before, she's out doing actual work, making the world a better place. If I could do one thing, that would be to take every copy of Monopoly that's ever existed and politely recycle it. <laughs> well, re- what's your issue with me? Is it just post-traumatic stress disorder from playing No, with well, the thing family? is, you say to people about playing board games, and they normally have a, a, a negative memory, and it's normally associated with Monopoly. But the thing is with Monopoly is that the game is over 100 years old now, and it was invented by a, a Quaker woman in the US by the name of Lizzie Maggie, and it was invented under the original name called The Landlord Game. And she made it specifically to show people and children that the horror of what a monopoly could do and the simple fact is that you cannot achieve great success and a monopoly in business or in anything without destroying the hopes and dreams of your friends your loved ones and other businesses and at any time it all could come unstuck if you just land on that go to jail go directly to jail and the fact that the rules of the game are not very good at all It's, it's a very weird thing that has become the standard barrier if you say to people what's a meal you eat outside of a home-cooked meal nine out of ten people will say mcdonald's 
doesn't mean McDonald's is the best thing for you or the best tasting for you. And sadly, Monopoly has become, you say board game, people hear Monopoly. And luckily, as you just said before, there's more games getting produced now than ever. That's certainly not the case. Well, it's interesting because I grew up in a sort of like a farming area mm-hmm. and we played the Australian version of Monopoly, which yep. was a squatter. So you get to buy <laughs> sheep stations instead. Yeah, well, Similar type of thing there. Well, any game where you're, you know, you've got cards, you're, you're rolling dice, you've got the tactility of it, or you're just sitting around with friends and family. That's the whole reason why I like to play it is that the, just the getting people around. The reason I got into this hobby a few years ago is because as you get older, um, it's a much harder to, to get people to come around to, for just social reasons. When you're younger, it's come around in my house for no apparent reason. That doesn't fly when you've got full-time jobs and children involved. Uh, but that's where a lot of Australians turn to like sport, come around and watch the footy with me, mate. But if you're not into sport, where do you go? And I personally turn to board games as a way to get friends and family around. And the fact that board games are good now also helps the situation. Yeah, you say they're good. Like uh, 1,500 new board games came on yep. uh, line just in the past year. Yes. Like what sort of board games uh, are we talking about now? Uh, it's, it's kind of like the fact that Monopoly is kind of uh, the thing that people go to. But there are lots of different styles of games. There are thousands of them. It's kind of hard to explain unless you're, you're really into it. But there's many, many different kinds. And as you said, the, the Essen Spiel in Germany, over 209,000 people over four days attended that event. And I can tell you, not one game of Monopoly was played that entire time. And over the last 10 years, they've, they've come across in leaps and bounds. And it's now a, a nearly $9 billion industry. That grows, especially in the last 10 years. It rose a little bit in the 2000s, but in the last 10 years, it has skyrocketed for, for, for many different reasons, which is, I think, a, a brilliant thing. But I just wonder, like, it, it, it interests me that people can come up with new board games. Like, is there a sort of, I would have thought they were sort of constrained, but obviously not. Oh, there no, is... well, the, the, the creativity there is, is amazing because you've got to think you've got things like you've got art design as well as, you know, coming up with the different rule sets. And between them and all the different things, when, when we say board games, we don't necessarily mean a game with a board. You can talk card games, you can talk role-playing games, where it's most of it is in your head. You can talk just dice-throwing games. There's so many different versions of games out there now that it is just this open slather. And when a lot of games that come out now might have a theme from a favourite, uh, a big TV show or a, a big movie as well, it's just it's unlimited, which is why things keep coming out and it keeps getting better and better. Yeah, you said it's a billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. How do you get a game uh, developed from your idea to manufacture it and then sold? Well, it's not the easiest process in the world, but it is just as simple as that coming up with it. I've got this idea, and as far as I can tell, no one else has done something exactly like this. So you would go to the point of developing it as in you'd come up with, say, a prototype. You could take it to different conventions or every... Every town probably, at least in the world that I know of, has some sort of board game club or community or place you could go to where you could say, I've got this game I come up with, let's play it, give me your feedback, tell me what you think. And then from there, you can easily take it to to, to publishers and developers. There are ones in Australia, of course, there are bigger ones in Europe and America. But because of social media now, it's much, much easier to get a hold of these people, which is brilliant because social media is one of the reasons why this hobby is grown leaps and bounds because it's just global word of mouth so now you can get a hold of these people which is a great thing for everyone and it's true isn't it because you can anywhere in lots of places in tasmania particularly on a saturday afternoon or mm-hmm. later in the evening you'll see groups of people sitting around in a yes. in a shop front or something they might be playing magic the gathering exactly. or whatever but it's also built into a sort of highly competitive industry yep. and i know people get paid to go to melbourne for example to judge yep. magic the gathering tournaments yeah so those, there's a whole sector out there those big card games especially your magic the gathering your pokemon on your Yu-Gi-Oh, they're the ones, because they've been around for about 20-odd years, most of them, and they do have 
they have huge industries. And as you said, you'll often see a lot of people sitting around playing type of stuff. And I think a lot of it to do is to do with the financial benefits of having a good board game these days. Because, for instance, if you have a young family and you take them to the film, take them to the movies, which is something I'm a big fan of, but you're not getting change out of $100 for that. And that's great for two hours. But if you were to spend that same $100 on buying a board game, which a lot of people might say, that's expensive for a board game, that game is going to last you 60 years. And if that game is good, the amount of hours of enjoyment and memories you're going to get out of it, and then you can pass it on to somebody else. They don't lose value. They don't lose anything. You can pass it on to somebody else. So that it is infinite replayability when you get something that is good and the memories you get from it. This is Leon Cannon, and uh, he's behind Dice Band Cometh Podcast. He's also a board games a fan via SMS and uh, Macca says Cards Against Humanity, mm-hmm. Bears versus Babies, Exploding Kittens, all the modern classic games get played in my house. And also, um, I think it was Vic in Olveston was saying that uh, us adult siblings, 66, 69 and 70 years old, played Scrabble and Rummaking over the New Year period. We still love those games, says Vic in Olveston. And uh, someone else saying, we are retired and have played board and card games first when youngsters ourselves with our grown our own children and now on our own or with our friends the games can include ticket to ride carcassonne splendor settlers when our brown brain power is limited we play rummy king phase 10 or five crowns last will and pandemic have been the most difficult to master for us um, and it also says monopoly and life are banned here great way to keep the old brains active leon that does raise the issue doesn't yes. it too that you can play across generations so it's you can have grandparents with grandchildren mm-hmm. or siblings still playing together yes it is quite common to see around families especially connected to my family six-year-olds playing with 66 year olds and i must mention that all the games that you just mentioned then great i'm happy that everyone's out there playing them monopoly is the only one i have a gripe with because that's kind of the bane on our on our hobby and on society as far as i'm concerned but everything else they just said that is excellent to see people getting around i know on christmas day i played a game called uh, just one which is kind of like a guessing game we played that with a lot of my family and we played that for two hours put big smiles on our face before we got cracking into dessert after a big meal and that's what it's all about just to get people around and just to put that smile on their face okay so if we make this slightly more sort of uh, what's the word? Not, I was going to say, not serious, because obviously games are serious. But <laughs> Oh, they can be. What, what, what skills do we get out of playing board games? Oh, there's so many. I mean, when it comes to young children, you've got the, you've got the simple fact that when you're playing a competitive game, they have to deal with the fact that sometimes they don't get exactly what they want, which is not ideal, but you know, it's going to happen in life. So they learn those types of lessons. There's many games out there. Pandemic was just mentioned before. That's kind of the standard bearer in our hobby for cooperative games. People don't realise that there are board games out there where you play against the game or against the board itself and the cooperation that you will learn with the family sitting around and it's not just the same as sitting there staring at a screen which don't get me wrong i'm not slagging that off i'm a big fan of that as well but sitting around with the tactility of doing stuff with your family and coming up with ways that you can beat it together and that cooperation will carry on to 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 any other form of your life really do you get to learn to lose Oh, you, you have to. The simple fact is you will lose, but in this kind of case, you do learn that it is just a game and you take, what positives can you take from it? You can go, well, I might have lost, but that thing I did was really smart. If I can take that into the next time that I play it. So you learn the cognitive learning, which you can use in many, many different areas. So it helps keep my brand going, that's for sure. Yes, uh, Jen in Taruna says, I've loved board games all my life. Favourites at the moment, Articulate, Dixit, 
Telestrations and Five Second Rule just bought a new one, Anomia, Anomia, I think it is. Wow, there are a whole stick of games out there. And Martin says, Cluedo should be a game that takes about 45 minutes. I tried to teach my daughter, let her go first. She finished the game in one turn. Sigh, says Martin in Hobart. What a champion. And that's good. She, she's learnt. She saw the game, she's figured it out, and she's gone from there. And again, that, what that lady mentioned before, all those games, absolute crackers. Although Rick does say, come on, guys, they're called board games for a reason, and he's spelt board, B-O-R-E-D. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. you just got to find the right thing to, to connect with. And I can completely understand that. Like I said, when you think of board games, a lot of people do think of that four-hour game of Monopoly where it never ends. And again, as I said before, that game was designed to show bad things. It's just for some reason become the most popular standard bearer. But there is a board game out there for everybody, I can I can guarantee you. So what makes a good board game, Leon? Um, it depends, again, on lots of different factors. But the, the production value, another reason why this the, the hobby has skyrocketed these days, the production value of board games is through the roof. They look amazing compared to what they used to be, which is a bit of cardboard on, you know, on, on the on the table. But also there's just the the imagination and the creativity that goes with it as well as just the, the mechanics that bear it all together, like you're playing them again and you understand how it works. Uh, some of them can have more complicated rule sets that are a bit longer, but if that's the thing you're into and you want more hours to kind of space out, then there's something for you as well. If there's something that you want to play for five minutes and be over with, there's that as well. So there's lots of different things out there. But the beauty of things like YouTube now is that you can learn games without having to read a rule book. That's a, that's a um, something that people a lot of find very difficult to get across, that, oh, I have to learn a new rules. And I think that's why a lot of people do turn to Monopoly, because every, that's ingrained in us. Everyone knows the rules of them, even though they are not ideal. <laughs> but you can go on there now and you can learn them in a flash. Yeah, and there's always that issue of who gets to be banker. I remember yes. that. Julie's in Mole Creek. She says, Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> DDD or pandemic and uh, Mel says we played monkey bingo with all the family six years old to 73 yes who knew there were so many monkeys mm -hmm. says Mel and Dave in South Hobart David in South Hobart says I used to play war games like dogfight hit the beach battleships and cold mm -hmm. and uh, another Martin says one night werewolf is great fun too look there's a whole world out there I have oh it's one of those off. things that unless again unless you're really into it it's there are thousands and thousands out there and like I said there is a board game for everybody and the rise of them over the last 10 years mainly to do with the acceptance in our culture of just um, general I guess geek or nerd media is what I would call it now you'd probably know yourself that when I was when I was younger back in say the 80s and 90s you were people like I was into sport or I was into like fantasy but those two type of things you never really came together whereas you look at the last 10 years the biggest television shows on the planet have been Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead that's a horror show and a fantasy show about dragons the idea of those being huge in the 90s is kind of unheard of of. Whereas now people are accepting that, like, no, you can like sport as well as like this stuff, that it's all cool. There's nothing, you know, negative about liking what you like. Everyone's kind of all together. And because of the acceptance of that, as well as big things like your Big Bang Theory, your Stranger Things, which have had a lot of board games and um, role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, again, Dungeons and Dragons is now bigger than it has ever been before by a country mile because of the popularity in media and the acceptance that, no, it's completely fine. You can play these type of things. There's nothing wrong with it in the slightest. There's much fun to be had in any walk of life. Now, Leon, we'll take a call because, as you mm -hmm. said, that there's a board game out there for everybody. Yes. James Walker is a Clarence councillor. He's okay. also run for the Liberal Party and he's recently had a game called Gerrymandering. Uh, <laughs> that sounds fun. Hi, James. Tell us about gerrymandering. 
Okay, yeah, guys, it's actually called Map Maker the Gerrymandering Game. So that was a Christmas present for me. And it was set up by three kids, I think, in Austin, Texas, who live in a, an electorate that has been gerrymandered. They got really angry about it. So through Kickstarter, Kickstarter, they funded a game basically to teach, to have fun, but to teach people, you know, the insidious nature of, of that form of rigging boundaries. And uh, it caught Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, um, passion. He's given it to a lot of judges and other things. So... It's a really fun territory game, and I've now got uh, an eight and a ten-year-old that are experts at uh, manipulating electoral. Oh, you've given them a future political career, James. Um, so, how do you play? What do you have to do? Um, you choose well, you, you, up to four players. So there's uh, there's the donkeys, the, the elephants. Uh, so you know, Republicans, Democrats, but you can also be the porcupine libertarians or the Greenleaf Greens. And your section is to try and get an area and um, and win that area, but not win it by much. It's all about numbers and. Try to make the other other teams win a couple of areas really safely, which makes it harder for them to to win the most. So it's 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 exactly the theory of uh, you know gerrymandering in the US and how to do it. And tell me, are your children getting better than you? Uh, they they are they are catch they are indeed. <laughs> James, thanks for that. We'll let you uh, go and enjoy um, that game about gerrymandering in US politic- uh, politics. Who knew? Uh, Leon, uh, Lynn says, Pictionary is wonderfully entertaining. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many text messages. Dan is in Launceston say, LOL, no monopoly, imperialist, running dog, capitalist, evil game, unsuitable for today's thinking socialist. You, ha, says you, Dan. Sh- you should have had him on. He's much better with the words than I am. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, are there any board game clubs in Hobart and, and in Tasmania? There's certainly are. There is Hogs, or the Hobart Game Society down here in Hobart. In Launceston, I can't remember their exact name, but in Launceston, as well as I believe in Burnie and Devonport, there are. Um, if you get on any form of social media, or the simplest answer is just Google Tasmanian, you know, Tasmanian board game clubs, you, you will find them. They are, I promise you, absolutely everywhere. And if not, you put out there on, on social media or get somebody to do it for you, they will find people that will play these games for you. And there's normally board game shops, luckily, in Hobart. We have two here with Area 52 and Good Games, but they are all over the shop, and there are people that are willing to play these type of games uh, all the time. So you could just go in and join up. You don't, you, yep. yep, you could go in there and say, I'm interested in these games. They could tell you about these different clubs that meet normally on the weekends, or they could simply say, right, we've got some people here that want to play a game. Let's play a game right now. Flash says... Um just between you and me, Sarah, and the ABC <laughs> and our listeners, I've played Dungeons & Dragons since 1980. It's been mates from school and other friends from all over the world. But now with technology on offer, time zones and distance don't matter, and we still have our fortnightly catch-up. That's a good point, isn't it? Because is a board game still a board game if it's online? Uh, yes, it certainly is. Well, it's, it's obviously there. it crosses the line a little bit there, but it's just... At the end of the day, you can take it extremely seriously, and I'm sure there's a debate going whether it's a board game or not, but the fact is it's a game or it's a social activity that you can play with friends. And Dungeons & Dragons, as I mentioned before, is as big as now that it ever has been. And Dungeons & Dragons is an absolutely amazing thing because the creativity that you get behind that, because that's all it is. All it is is that is a rule set, and they say if somebody can come up with a fictional world for you to be in, then you can go ahead. So that is one of those things that when it comes to, to value for money, all you know, need to know is one person that knows how to play that game and a sheet in front of you where you write down what your character is and the equipment that you have. You can play that. I'm in a Dungeons & Dragons group that's been playing for several years now. We've been into probably cocked probably 100 hours now and it has cost us nothing other than buying a few sets of dice. And you, you cannot get better value for money and the entertainment and the fun. And we meet at the pub. We meet here at the New Sydney, one of the rooms up the top. We all sit around, have a beer, have a palmy and, and play that. And it is absolutely the highlight of 
my week? Well, for you and many, many other Tasmanians, if we take it from the text messages coming in. And uh, Paul in Hobart says, cross-hand poker, played similar to Scrabble Mm -hmm. with tiles as two packs of cards. So many ideas, I have to say. Leon, good to talk to you. Talking about the golden age or renaissance of board gaming. One or two people making the point is like, how has our discussion come to this? For you, if you're not into board games, keep listening because after 10 o'clock, Dr. Matt Killingsworth will be in to talk matters of state. And we're going to be talking all things US impeachment um, as well as Brexit. But in the meantime, Leon Cannon, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much. That sounds serious. I'm off to play a game. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if some people could say that politics is about games as well. But that, that's Leon Cannon from the Diceman Cometh podcast. And interesting points he makes there about how you can play all those games across generations. And it's really value for money. Where you fork out for the game and then, of course, you don't have to pay after that. All you have to do is just ensure your sanity, I guess, depending on who you're playing with. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.